So today is an um, interesting title, isn't it? I think if I remember correctly, what I read on the paper is like how to experience sense pleasure without suffering. Do you remember the title? You don't even know what title it is. <laughs> Just come. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but at some level, it's what we talk about. It's always through the Dharma experience, through the practice. Through the, so. So, now that you know the title, are you still interested? Yes? Good. So, when I was reading, I, I kind of spent quite a bit of time reflecting on this. You know, I don't prepare, I mean, I wish I could have paper with me, but I don't trust paper. I mean, I, I trust them for keeping me comfortable, but I don't, <laughs> I, I trust more the mind that just doesn't know anything when I come. And so when I was reflecting on it, I thought, oh, who, what are, who, who, who asks these questions on this, you know, and got it put onto the list of talks. You know? <clears throat> because, um, you know, in a way, is, is it somebody who has found that the limit of sense pleasure and realized that maybe there is another way you can have sense pleasure without any suffering? <laughs> And maybe wants to hear from one of us whether that's true or not. <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I will speak probably most of what I say through my experience as a Buddhist nun, as a, you know, from the way of, from, or through the practice, my practice of the Buddhist teaching, you know, the realization of the Buddhist teaching, what the Buddha talks about. So, still interested? Yeah? How to basically enjoy you know, enjoy sense pleasure without suffering, yeah. Quite nice, isn't it, in words. Sounds very good, why not, you know. And on the other hand, um, it, you know, when I met the Buddhist teaching without even knowing it was a Buddhist teaching, you know, I was quite disillusioned with sense pleasure. I was very, you know, like all of us, not more than you probably, just uh, likes just being, having fun, having lots of good time, you know, not suffering. I didn't want to suffer, you know. So like all of you, all of us, uh, we are constantly looking for something that's going to make us happy, don't we? It's a natural thing because when we feel happy, we just feel better, don't we? And when we feel miserable, we think there's something terrible wrong with us. Isn't it true? I shouldn't be like that. Or if, I'm, if, I, if I am like that, it's my fault and I'm a terrible person, you know, I'm a hopeless case. People actually kill themselves from not finding the, the way out of this dilemma, you know, thinking, thinking there's happiness and happiness, and if I'm not in one, I'm the other. And, and it's true. I mean, the whole kind of, um, you know, the way it functioned, uh, those mental states, how they function, they're very much dependent on one, is dependent on the other. How many times have you noticed that once you got exactly what you wanted, you got really bored with it? I mean, I don't think it's a new thing, isn't it? We like it, we like something we, we wanted very, very much, whether it's a person, an object, a car, a TV, a, a new mind. Whatever, <laughs> and then you get quite disinterested after a while. So, this is what the Buddha, in a way, the teaching of the Buddha is pointing to: is reality of actually this, what is real, what is true, what is real. You know, the way things are. What so all those kind of terms sometimes very confusing for people. But the way things are is something you can really see very clearly when you do your. Uh, you know, vipassana practice, you know, when you observe your mind in meditation, you can see that everything you, you know, after a while, once you get a bit more adept at listening to body, mind, you begin to feel, you, you, you get a, a realization that this body, mind functions on its own, it doesn't need you. Do you understand? I mean, of course, it does need you to find out where to go and not to go and take a train or on a plane and so on. But really, um, 
at some point you begin to get a sense that there is a space between you and the mind. And what is that space? You know, do I belong to that space? Is that me? Is that not me? Is that what? You know, so people are looking often, to, you know, to this idea that, um, you know, if I'm really controlling my life really well, then I can find happiness, you know. And then, as many of us have discovered, you know, this happiness might not be what we want because it's at the cost of many things. You know, we can hurt people, we can hurt ourselves, we can lie, we can, you know, we can, we can do a lot of unskillful things just to be happy. And we can also be quite sort of, uh, you know, quite prepared to be blind to many things if we are focused on this desire to satisfy our desire, our wish to be constantly happy, or at least a lot of the time happy. Can hurt, uh, can hurt life in many ways, our own life, the life of others, you know. And so we call this, you know, being blind or being selfish or, you know, all these kind of words, concepts that express the mind that is very limited, one pointed to just what I want, what I desire, what I wish, what I, you know. But fortunately, uh, some of us, you know, and more and more people, I think, are discovering that the pleasure that we're looking for is not what we want. Even when I get what I want, I, I get bored. I mean, not now. <laughs> I can make progress. <laughs> you know, when you, when you and, and then you suffer because you want to, uh, you don't want to suffer. You suffer because you just don't want to suffer. You know, that's an interesting part, isn't it? You want to get rid of your suffering, and that's really painful. Because then you have to repress everything, push everything down, for, you know, pretend it's not happening, you know, and then you're getting intensely stressed. Because basically, that doesn't work either. You know. And, it, it, you know, I mean, honestly, if you don't, many people go into some kind of spiritual journey at some point, especially when you get old, you know, close to the coffin, then people tend to be more religious at some point. They just don't have anywhere to go. You know, you just realize, oh, I better get ready for the next, for the next unknown of my life, you know, or maybe we can create a lot of stories about why we go with the angels or with the demons or with the cats or with the dogs or with the, you know, the <laughs> But really, we don't know where we're going most of the time. That's what the Buddha is pointing to. I mean, the Buddha might know. You know, he seems to be quite, <laughs> quite, quite knowledgeable about future life, past life, and so on. You know, but really, the future is quite the unknown. So, what do we do? Just to go back to this desire. You know, can I, can I, you know, ex sort of experience or enjoy a sense, desire, you know, sense pleasure without suffering. Well, you know, the suffering, I often repeat it again and again, because the suffering is, of course, the suffering of you bang your, 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 your elbows against the door and you get a big bruise, you know, that's suffering, or you got a massive headache, that's suffering, or you get really depressed and, you know, feeling desperate about things, that's suffering, isn't it? You get uh, maybe a terminal illness, that's really painful. But the real suffering is not knowing Dhamma, you know, it goes deeper, all this. The, when we talk about suffering, when you talk about delusion, this is, is really, it's a, it, when, you, when you don't understand suffering, you, you, maybe you haven't, had, you haven't used a tool of understanding delusion, you know, ignorance. Because what the Buddha is doing is like a, he's like a scientist. He just, he, just, he just tells us this is what's happening. These are the tools, you know, do this, do this, do that, try this. You know, don't believe me. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> don't believe me. I don't mean many people, spiritual people who say, don't believe me. Just find out for yourself. That's really exciting, isn't it? But then we all want to be told what to do and how to do it. So it takes a temperament that's been so desperate about living in delusion, living in a state of delusion, that you really will do anything to find out what suffering and delusion is about. So there's a certain amount of 
passion about this research. You know, why do I get involved with Buddhism, who says, you know, that says, well, you know, sense pleasure, it's like, do you remember that? The second truth of the second noble truth, you know, it's like the first noble truth is pain, you know, dukkha, and then samudaya, which are composed of three aspects the desire for sense pleasure, the desire to become something, you know, to become, and the desire to not become. You know, when you want to become, it's like Moses, you become ambitious, you know, to become anything, you know. And then there's the third one, which is the desire to basically not be alive. Ajahn Sumedho sometimes will give you like an example of people killing themselves, suicide. These people just don't want to be awake to life anymore. You know, they don't want to, they don't, they don't have a problem with becoming and turning into some ideal or some ideas of which they should be. They have come to the point where the door is closed and the suffering of their life is so intense, they'd rather die. You know, they don't want to live anymore. So that's kind of three aspects of the second noble truth. Yeah? But now you have discovered there, are, there, are, there is a way which makes you, leads you to understand this mental state, leads you to, um, you know, test, find out for yourself when you go into a mental state of depression or misery or something, you know, not feeling good about oneself, wanting to be a better person, wanting to be a more glorious being that everybody, you know, admire and so on. Right? We want that, maybe. But then, uh, you know, we never, maybe we don't feel we can't find this. You know, we'll never be like this. We know, so we get desperate again. So, for me, it was very nice to find out that, you know, I was in a world of dance and beautiful world, you know, in some kind of, I couldn't complain, you know, about my life. But really, there was a, a big kind of something missing drastically, you know, deeply. And I was quite happy. It's not like I was suffering, crying all day long and, you know, taking drugs and, you know, seeking for pleasure, you know, to distract myself, you know, to get rid of this suffering. No. So it's something that you could say, you are not the only one who experiences, you know, all of us even if you were the richest man or women, even if you were the most beautiful man or women, even if you were the most, you know, the most of anything that you want to be, at some point, even that, you get bored, and at some point, you, something is searching in you, do you understand? You're, there's not you even, You're, you know, remember, it's not an I looking for something necessarily, it's just a Dharma pushing something in you, it's, it's, it's kind of getting you awake to that, you know, I did not know I had a mind until the age of about 30. Yeah, I had a body. I had to kind of do a lot of movement with the body. But when I say I, I knew I had a mind I could think, ways, you know, but I did not know I had a mind I could be aware that would bring that, put me in contact with awareness, with mindfulness, with wakefulness. I did not know I had that. Even I had a lot of moment that looks like what I do now, what I, but I didn't, you know, I didn't pay attention. I did not know. That's what we mean by ignorance. We did not know. You might be already quite enlightened. You don't know, but you, still, you just under, have not realized yet. Yeah? You bypass this, this quality of wakefulness. Do you understand? And yet, this is what transformed your life. So it's worth not bypassing it. Why? Because all the, you know, all the past that you carry, all the moment, you know, the lives, you know, how many lives? I don't know, I'm not into past life myself, but, you know, um, the, the many lives that the Buddha talks about, you know, that all of us have gone through, apparently. Yeah? Well, uh, I don't know, this life is enough for me to find out what happened in the past. And what we see, we carry with ourselves a, a huge amount of habits, blind habits, uh, custom, thoughts, feelings, that have nothing to do 
with what's happening now in our life. Do you understand? Nothing to do. It's just memory after memory. Just we carry in this enormous backpack, you know. Right? We carry masses of memory, a sea of memory with us. You know, we're swimming in it. Now, the Buddha says, you don't have to live like that. You know, that's quite miserable to be in a kind of something that's dead. Memory is, a, you know, I mean, it can be alive, of course. You know, you can remember something very in details, you know. But what I mean, in reality, it doesn't exist anymore except as a memory. But it's not something that's, you know, how long do you want to hang on to that? You know, I mean, if my mother dies, she had died, actually. I'm happy to have a memory. Memory makes me happy, actually. Do you understand? It's not that you can't be happy. <laughs> you can be happy with your memory, but you don't have to kind of cling to it. You know, so my memory just comes. It just comes on its own. It doesn't ask me to come. It, it appears and disappears. Right? Happiness appears and disappears. Joyfulness appears and disappears. You don't have to be obsessed or addicted to these things, so you have to take drugs to remember to be happy. Do you? Yeah, many people do, unfortunately. How many people have known, or we hear in the news, you know, very famous people, very intelligent people, very bright, very everything. Yet, you know, all their joys, their happiness, and they, has been ruined by the fact that they thought that they would find sense pleasure attractive like this, you know, really worth searching for. Yet sense pleasure is like everything. Why do you think the, the most important teaching of the Buddha, as far as I'm concerned, is a fundable truth, of course, but also the vipassana. I have never I have never kind of come across a teaching that have the vipassana practice, you know, so clearly expounded by the Buddha. When you can see, I mean, you don't have to believe the Buddha, but you can see when he say every, every phenomena in the universe has a nature to be impermanent, unsatisfactory, and not self. Now, these words can be, for us Westerners, you know, we want things to be satisfactory, right? <laughs> Mine, <laughs> preferably, belong to my personality. And we want them to be... Um, you know, um, sort of, um, how can I say, not suffering. We don't want them to, you know, we do many things not to suffer. So this is where the teaching is very useful because you don't get what the Buddha is talking about straight away. It's a very long process, you know, it's not something that comes for you. I mean, your intellect, of course, can play a very good part in the, in the past, you know, on the past. Of course, it's a wonderful tool. But really, what the Buddha is talking about is that find out how, what happened when your mind is aware, conscious, and awake. What happened? In meditation, we discover as soon as you're awake, my thoughts disappear. I mean, I'm talking about 20 years ago, you know. Don't have so much thoughts these days, I'm glad to say. Not because just I'm getting old, but it's been like that for a while. Because you don't have to cling to thinking anymore. You don't have to identify to your thinking mind. It's just another sense, which can be very pleasurable. Don't we like our views and our opinions and all the ideas we have about things, you know? And if somebody contradicts me, they know they are in trouble, don't they? Maybe not here, but people can kill each other, you know, for not having the same view as each other. You know, they can really go into a fight. You know, he's, he's that way and I'm that way. It's a stupid idiot, you know. I'm the one who knows the, way, the, tr the truth, the way, etc. We can be very, you know, uh, bellicose. I don't know if you say that in English, bellicose? No, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the right word. <laughs> Going to war with each other, you know, for not having the same view as you have. So this is what, when the Buddha, again, brings us the, the joy of, um, 
exploring, exploring what is really the reality right now. Is somebody having a different view than me, truly? Do they have the right to have a different view than me, truly? No, they don't. I mean, they have to think like me, and they have to do things like I like. <laughs> we all, we all enslaved by this kind of, momentarily, I'm not saying all the time, in that kind of uh, scheme, you know, in those kind of patterns, don't we? And what the beauty of the Buddhist teaching is that it's very alive, so alive, because it doesn't ask you to remember something from the past, to go and to, li to listen to a lot of theories and, 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 and accumulate a lot of knowledge, you know. Go to your mind and body directly, to your daily experience. You know, you are actually, this is your, the, 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 you could say the, the aspect that keeps things alive, do you understand? I can see when people are intellectual, I'm not against intellectual, by the way, on the contrary, <laughs> but what I mean, if you are too much into the thinking mind, then you don't, you, you forget the thinking mind is a sense object, do you understand? Different from consciousness and awareness which can see directly, clearly, and um, truly, reality as it is now. And that is what the Buddha is pointing to. He's not pointing to remembering a lot of things, accumulating masses of knowledge, making, having a PhD, and so on and so on. You know, I mean, you will be a splendid thinker, a splendid thinker, a splendid, um, you know, um, what do you call that? You know, um, you know, somebody giving a discourse or, you know, presentation and so on, right? because you have the talent of knowing the right word, the right, etc., etc. But the knowledge of the Buddhist teaching is done through a, a different means, in a way, the, the realization of what he's talking about. And the means is not something you have yourself, you know, necessarily, you think you have it and you can control it. No, sometimes realization comes as a moment you expect it less. You'd forgotten about the whole thing, and suddenly, boom, something come into your mind, and, oh, I still remember the day. I mean, I, you know, for many years I'd been meditating, but, we, you know, and, and I see my thoughts very clearly, and each other cannot and far away from me, or disappearing straight away, and so on. But one day, I had a, I was, I realized one thought really became anatta, quote-unquote, you know. <laughs> it was really an anatta thought. Before, I was seeing, moving past, you know, going around and around and around. But suddenly, I don't know how it happened, really. It just came. That thought was not definitely not my thought. You know, sometimes we say, oh, yeah, it's not my thought. It's not me, not mine. We're very clever, you know, at thinking. You know, we can say, we can, immediately we can know, this is not me, this is not mine, you know. You can know you know, through your experience. But the reality for me, that, that particular thought that bugged me for quite a while, you know, was a problem for me. Suddenly, I can't even explain how it happened. That thought had died for good, I think. That's what I would say. <laughs> it had a sublime death, you know, you just into, in the country. And, you know, this, this thought that was really um, nagging me I truly felt had gone. And we have many thoughts that haven't gone. You notice that, don't you? And the thought of sense pleasure is one of them. And the desire to not have it. And suffering, that's another one. That people are very involved in their thinking about Buddhism. You know, how can I be happy if everything is miserable? <laughs> and suffering. How can I be? Well, there's many levels of... of, of in a way, of this realization that maybe sometimes we don't know or we don't want to know or we don't, we just don't conscious of it, you know. Ajahn Sumedhu used to talk about this to, this to us, you know. He used to say, well, peace is an acquired taste, you know. We all want peace, but really we were, we're much happier with a lot of excitement and a lot of things moving around us, you know, and think interesting. Everybody's wishing for peace and a peaceful mind and a peaceful life, you know. But actually, our conditioning is that we keep jumping up and down all the time to do the next thing. Don't we? But don't think you have a problem. It's not a problem. It's our nervous system a lot of the time. 
You know, it's a mind, it's a brain, it's a, the whole body is on kind of, you know, it's on a particular um, uh, <laughs> number, <laughs> number 10, you know, and it's like going like this inside. We don't even see it, but the blood is doing it, the, the body is doing it, you know, in a quiet way. <laughs> You know, from the time when we start meditating and we never done it before to the time where we meditate for several decades, you know, of course the, we've learned how to calm down the, the body and the mind, you know, of course that. But it doesn't mean it's over, you know, necessarily. I mean, we, like monks and nuns, we're quite sort of protected in many ways, you know. We have a lot of, but we have other challenges, don't worry. <laughs> challenges are not, we're not off the hook of challenges, right? We have the same challenges in a different form. You know, we have our challenge of uh, renunciation, the challenge of being, um, you know, wearing robes and living in a certain way. You know, so the other challenges. Do you understand? Not eating when you want, having an afternoon without meal, not drinking wine, uh, not smoking, not we we all celebrate, not having sex. You know, so that's a lot of restraint, isn't it? For all of us, <laughs> I don't my age, but <laughs> but still, do you know, you can fall in love. People fall in love in the community. You know, I've had plenty of people falling in love. You know, some of them got married; they couldn't stand it anymore. They wanted to get married and have children. You know, monks and nuns, and you know, it's not like you know, you suddenly become a Buddha here. You're just normal. <laughs> just a human being. In fact, the more you practice, the more you become a normal human being. You're not so special anymore. You know, even with the robe, you may think you're special for a little while. But people will remind me, you're not special, you know. <laughs> it's, not easy. it's not difficult to come back down to the ground. People will remind you in one way or the other. So, just to go back, you know, can we you know, have sense pleasure? You enjoy sense pleasure. Sense pleasure, it comes and it goes. Do you understand? If I see a beautiful uh, landscape, you know, I'm maybe ecstatically happy. You don't know. But I'm not going to kind of push everything down to pretend I'm a Buddha and I'm equanimous, totally equanimous, with absolutely nothing happening in my heart. No, I feel. There's a, a teacher in Thailand who I love very much. His name uh, doesn't come to mind very much. He's on my he's on my shelves, but uh, Lumpodun, I think. There's many Lumpodun, famous monk, and uh, he there is a, one of his book is called "For One Who Feels." I was really happy when I heard this. <laughs> yeah. You know, because sometimes people think you mustn't feel anything. You know, but we have feelings. We have a body, we have thoughts, we have a history, we have pain, we have, you know, so it's not like you have to block everything to become, you know, a plastic Buddha. What, what is needed is to be real with yourself, and real means here, you can't be real through memory. You know, the memory can be real, but the reality is to be able to witness and see clearly what's happening. You might witness confusion, not sense pleasure. Confusion. What are you going to do when you want sense pleasure and you get confusion? All right? That's called the first noble truth. It's called, I am not getting what I want. That's one of the, it's written in the book of the teaching of the Buddha. Not getting what you want is a first, is dukkha. Getting what you don't want is dukkha, okay? Being separated from the loved ones is dukkha. Um, identifying with the five candles is dukkha. You know, with the body, mind, um, you know, um, perception, thoughts, and sense, uh, sense consciousness, you know, associate, you know, identified with that is dukkha. Because they're all very limited, do you understand? They're limited by memories, they're limited by fears, they're limited by many things. It's like, makes, keeps you in a little mind. Keeps you the mind. So, we have a, you know, you could say, we are on the path that keep, is liberating us from fear. From what limits the, the, this mind? 
that we think is ours, you know, but it's not even our mind. How many things happen in your mind that you don't want and turn up? Do you notice? Feelings, moods, thoughts. You don't ask them to come along, do you? But they just turned up. Then you stuck with them for an afternoon or one month, you never know. So is that your mind? <laughs> you really miserable say, please mind, open the door of happiness, I want to be happy now. He's never done that to me, I don't think he does that for anybody, unless you start drinking or taking drugs or doing something that takes you back into ecstasy or some kind of thing, you know. But after a while, you know, you get bored too, don't you? So, there is a, a third way. <laughs> happiness and happiness and a third way. Which is something you discovered when you practice. Azajan Shah is a beautiful teaching of Lumpur Shah, you know, talks about that. You know, we may, you, we are, you know, the Buddha say you develop happiness. You develop, you know, you develop a mind that is skillful, happy, a, a good mind, okay? But being attached to this good mind is not the end because the attachment is another desire to want this good mind. But this good mind is not always there. This good mind can be really mischievous. It can be really creating a lot of problems in yourself, even when you don't want to. You know, you come with swearing words in your mind, telling some people off, treat, thinking of them as horrible people. Fortunately, they don't have the power of mind reading. Like, I don't have the power of mind reading either. It's good, it's good we don't have, because can you imagine if we had to, to, <laughs> to hear all the rubbish that people say in our mind? One day, when I was in Thailand practicing, somebody said, oh, your teacher, he knows what you think. I said, that's great, you know, then I had two people knowing to read a stupid mind. Brilliant, you know, I don't care, you can listen to my mind as long as you want, you know. Because this mind is not yours. Do you understand? This mind is not something that belongs to you intrinsically. So get to know that view of yourself, you know, the right view. So when you, you know, when you, when you search for this, I'm getting you to the third level. It's a level that, I, I, I repeat what Lumpo said, what I said about Lumpo, it's like peace. But who is interested in peace? In fact, I gave a talk a few years ago, which wasn't, I think I, I, I think I might have given the title on a piece of paper, all the community can give a title, and then each title is, is chosen. I think, if, I'm not sure it was, it was me, but somebody said, why, Gosh, the last, the last bit of the sentence why and, and Nibbana so boring. <laughs> why is, is peace so, so interest, uninteresting and Nibbana so boring? But it was like a tongue and cheek thing, you know what I mean? Because people think of peace as something really boring. Let's face it, I mean, Nibbana is the end of your troubles. That's what I'm concerned. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not an around, but that's how I understand Nibbana is like the end of your, of greed, hatred, and delusion, the end of, you know, I have no idea, but that's what my understanding of the Buddha is talking about. It's not a state where you've got the gods and the devas and all the different beings that's going to hold you on a golden plate, you know? No. It's just the end of the little, the, 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 you know, the, the simple and honest work we do daily when you put your mind into a kind of refuge of awareness, consciousness, wakefulness, you know. That's the only thing that really sees see, see, see things clearly and can really uh, come to the point of dissolving all the solidity of your mental objects, you know. 
by this, if I mind up full of the thoughts, you know, even if it is a beautiful thought, we all have beautiful thoughts, don't we? Well, unfortunately, that's how it is. Listen to this, don't get distracted over there. Don't get distracted, important moment. That thought that seemed to be really solid, okay? Dissolve like sand, you know? It's just dissolved like sand. So if you have something that really bothers you, don't fear it anymore. You know, don't believe your thoughts. You will notice that as soon as you're aware of them, they've, they've lost the substance that we give to them. Do you understand? That's good to know, isn't it? Because we have thought that really bothers us. Don't we? Huh? Don't worry about thought that bothers you. They're changing constantly. So this sense of peace is very important for everybody to understand, you know, which is not happiness or unhappiness, you know. Together, they come together, by the way, happiness and unhappiness. You, not you will notice if you really pay attention to your body-mind, you will see the feeling that comes when something very pleasant ends. It, it, it has a kind of, you, you'll find out yourself, a, a kind of quality of slight misery, a slight something unpleasant. Yeah? So this peace is really what, we, what, what the past is taking us towards. It's a peace. And this peace is the ending of delusion and suffering. Do you understand? It's not just being happy forever or miserable forever or suffering for it's not it has nothing to do with that. It's actually what the result of your past that you have trodden, okay, through the practice of mindfulness, awareness and all the very wonderful teachings of the Buddha advice and uh, guidance, you know, we have and a good teacher is always helpful. I don't know if I would have done my understanding would have been so deep and so good for myself if I hadn't had somebody like Achen Sumedo, who was, to me, for me, and not for everybody, but for me, I can only speak for this person, uh, extremely clear and very, uh, you know, very not difficult to start really getting interested in doing it rather than thinking about it, you know, in actually doing it. And that takes a lot of courage, actually, you know, a lot of courage. Why? Because uh, it's not the courage of being a warrior, you know, that goes up, you know, to do some miraculous things, you know, it's not that. It's more the warrior, <laughs> the, 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 a patient, uh, you know, to be very, very patient to look at things, you know, you have to be very patient. If you want to, if we want to use, I'm sure I'm not a scientist by training, but if I want to, I'm sure the scientists, if they want to look at a, a bug or some kind of microbes, something, don't they have to look for hours sometimes and see and, you know, and, and with a vaccine and COVID, I mean, don't they have to look for ah, days, months, you know, and so it's a bit like that. <laughs> when you're looking, it's not the COVID, but it's, it's called delusion, avidya. So when you look at the, the, the COVID avidya, you know, then you also have to look in great details what's going on in you and to be honest, you know, you have to be honest. And honest means not to, not, not to lie, but just um, keeping the awareness being your refuge of seeing rather than your views and opinions about yourself, you know. So this awareness is a, is a small thing. It's, it takes a while to get used to the fact that this is our most important vision of life. Why? Well, I don't know, really. But <laughs> Mostly because it's, you, when you are aware and conscious, you find that your mind, you begin to see your mind it's a much bigger space, you know. It's not narrowed down by me and mine, you know. It's my mind, it's mine, and 
don't walk on my toes because I slap you otherwise because you disagree with me. Okay, that's not that kind of mind. The mind that develops through practice is the ending of, the, of wrong view, the ending of delusion, the ending of not knowing anicca, dukkha, anatta, which is actually happening all the time inside us. Do you understand? It's, it's like we're living with this constantly. I mean, I think somebody quoted it for me when he said that. The Buddha said, you have to go back to the sutta sometime and actually check the Pali, whether it's, we've got a Pali expert here, but check the Pali. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> and so, check the Pali, because sometimes the translations are not correct, not always correct, you know. Yeah? No, don't worry, that happens. The mind is sort of concentrated, but not kind of different things. <laughs> so um, this aspect of peace don't search it don't search it because you'll never find it like that you know it's not even some, the peace as we know it in a way as we know it it's not the peace of nothing do you understand it's not the peace of getting rid of all the things we don't want it's not that kind of peace. You can have that peace with incredible chaos around you. Why are you at? Why do you have the peace? It's a peace of consciousness, you know. It's a peace of awareness. It's a peace of a mind that learns how to be really. Okay. Everything is okay. It's like the mind is okay with everything. You know, you got a tractor, you've got a, a bomb next to you. I mean, that kind of maybe you know, hurt your ears. <laughs> but what I mean, you begin to see, it's like the noise and you is not a problem. The cold and you is not a problem in terms of, you know. This is something you learn. The, the learning is, is sometimes more difficult. Why we have a training? I mean, here, when I started, mind you, the learning is difficult because sometimes you don't have the perfect <laughs> conditions to see this clearly. For example, we had the perfect condition at Chittas and here to see this, and Thailand as well, you know, where you can really see your desire. You can really see strong, strong desire, strong fear. You can see strong, you know, strong feelings about seeing memory and so on. They got intensified, you know, when we were. Uh, you know, they had hardly any heating here. Now it's beautiful, you know. I mean, we were like. Uh, one of the monks at Jindriyasaru said, gosh, you know, you, you, you're wearing the, um, you know, the, I don't know if you, some of you are Christian, and they, in the ancient time, the monks, the, the, the Christian monks, used to wear a special robe which was made of kind of rough things that really scratch their skin. It's like an animal skin or something, you know, to, as, as an ascetic practices. <laughs> and this monk... Uh, uh, you know, good friend of the Sangha said, gosh, you're wearing the blah, 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 robe, you know, the robe that has this uh, incredible, because here it was just like that, really, you know, the agenda yasaro. Because it was, we were young, so it was not a problem, and Ajahn Sumedho was a magnificent, you know, he was really encouraging you in every way, supporting you in your practice all the time. So you, could, you didn't have a chance to complain a lot, you know, because you were constantly reminded of the Dhamma. Do you understand? Where in the daily life, very often, we don't remind us of the Dhamma, you know, in, the, in a situation where we're very busy. Yeah? So, um, you know, I remember when, when uh, you know, like when you spend a lot of time with the mosquitoes in Thailand, a lot of heat or heal the cold and so, so one of the, uh, the abbot of Wat Pananacha, of Wat Nombapong of Ajahn Shah, uh, one day said to me, yes, you've done cold, you've done heat. And he meant you have experienced you have been able to meditate with cold and meditate with heat. And so he didn't tell me what did you learn, but you learn to be much more detached from these things. Do you understand? And you know, you don't let yourself, you know, uh, melt in the sun. You know, you have the wisdom to know what you need if you need a heart or something. But you're you're not so, you're not agitated anymore by it. Do you understand? That's what the peace that for me. 
the Buddha is talking about, where the mind has been liberated from all the things that shakes, moves it, and, and, and disturb it constantly, the heart. Yeah? So this is a path. This is a path we follow when we do follow the path of Buddhism. And sometimes, I mean, I have a you know, sister who is a Christian, another one, she's a Sufi, and I'm a Buddhist, you know, three of us for 40 years, you know, and really intensely as working, although, you know, I'm not working, I'm here, but they're both working in the world in normal situation, you know. And so sometimes in different tradition, it can be, um, you know, this aspect of consciousness is not talked about very much, do you understand? Awareness consciousness. Even though the Christian have it, the Muslim, the Sufi have it, you know, but in uh, Buddhism, it's a, fun, it's a you know, main foundation, you know, it's a refuge, what you call a refuge in awareness, refuge in consciousness. And it can be um, confusing because it's not the kind of world that people are sort of familiar with. You know, very often we're not familiar with, we're not familiar with the suffering, we're not familiar with the word suffering, you know, the Buddha talks about. We're not familiar with the fact that sense pleasure is uh, the, the, the one of the cause of suffering, you know. We, it needs uh, somebody that can explain, but the, the best person that can explain to you is yourself, because it's you, your own experience. You don't become, <laughs> please do not try to become miserable so you can enjoy, you know, you can actually be a good Buddhist because you don't need to be happy anymore. Please. That's not what the Buddha is talking about, okay? You know, because if you continue to be happy, according to then you're going to suffer all the time, which is true, by the way. But we don't know that yet. We're just still stuck on being, uh, how can I say, uh, uh, enraptured. You know, enraptured by the by the, the what we call happiness. It is happiness is great. It comes and goes. You know, you can't even control happiness if you're happy maybe you're happy for nothing do you understand suddenly you start smiling and feeling really great and you don't even know why <laughs> yeah so ask yourself is my mind really my mind that you know this mind that I'm so frightened of sometimes or I'm so anxious about or I'm saying so don't go along, don't go out of this door, please, and say, oh, Ajahn Sundra said, I have no mind, what am I going to do, you know? No, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that. <laughs> it's your mind. All your, your minds are there, your minds, you know, some degree. It's not my mind. But it's more like the, 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 the habits, the history of your mind is different from each one of us, okay? But now, if you really want to develop happiness, the first step is maybe to check what your mind is doing. Because very often, if we don't know what's going on in the mind, it might be actually, you know, uh, churning around without you knowing it, a lot of silly old story. I'm terrible, I'm this, I'm like that, I'm awful, she's awful, she's like this, she's like that, blah, blah, blah. Look at the dog, he's awful, he's terrible. You know, he's just in a negative stance, so you don't even know it. Sometimes you go to the mirror, you can smile and feel. How do you feel when you smile? Even when there's nobody to smile to, you know. You just like, difference between smiling. You can see my stomach is already feeling better. <laughs> and then, oh, poor me. I mean, and you have maybe all the right to think, poor me, okay? There's no, nothing wrong with thinking like that. But now you can know it's a thought, do you understand? And that thought is anicca, dukkha, anatta. Yeah? Same with happiness, you know, I'm wonderful, I'm tired. It's still a wonderful time moment when you feel like that, but it's, you, are, you have this wisdom that knows it's anicca, dukkha, anatta. Okay? And don't worry in the space in between. You are not going to fall off the universe because you're not clinging to one thing or another. You're not going to fall off the earth, you know. 
you realize that you don't need this attachment to things, you don't need to be clinging to things because they go anyway. And that's the teaching you need, we need to learn, is that we need to learn how to let go, do you understand? And to realize when we let go, we survive. I'm still here when I let go of everything meaning that's going on in a moment, and I'm still here, I'm really strong. And <laughs> you know, I have my personality hasn't gone, my energy hasn't gone. On the contrary, sometimes more energy comes, you know, by letting go. Letting go is like clearing the way of stuff from yesterday and clearing the way of stuff from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, and it's just cleaning the space, you know, it's like, wow. And then you get a lot more energy and happiness because when the, body, when the mind is not really bogged down with a lot of things or inundated with different kind of agitated thoughts, actually, it's quite, there's a kind of radiance and happiness there. Yeah? <laughs> you have to find that one without having to drink anything now. There's happiness without even you doing anything. I'm not joking, I'm very serious, you know. But de please discover this for yourself, you know. Don't wait for anybody to do this, or externally necessarily. You know, there's many skillful means in this path, on this path of happiness, unhappiness, and peace. The skillful means is, you know, like when you feel unhappy or something, you have the wisdom to think, what can I do now to make my mind more, you know, relaxed and happy? Maybe then you may meditate and within 10 minutes you realize it was full of stuff, your mind, you know, remembering all the terrible things that this person and that person did to you, you know, that you didn't realize maybe you were completely on a scenario of disaster inside, you know, instead of just realizing that this is happening, but it's not really me, because it comes in my mind. Maybe I haven't asked for these things to join me. You know, they just turn up. So you stop being anxious about your mind, because you, you can see, you say, hello, mind, yes, I see you. Not in front of everybody, of course, you know, but it, it goes by itself. Now, so this is a, the, the art of happiness, is to know very well happiness comes and goes, unhappiness comes and goes, and peace. <laughs> uh -huh. Then there is peace when you have this understanding. Do you understand? Do you understand?